Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell, and I am so excited. I have somebody really special here today. We have Justin Ganshaw with Caterpillar themselves, and this is Caterpillar's Safety Services, and Justin is the business development manager here, and he's been with the company for almost 14 years. But before we get into it, Justin, how are you doing this morning? I am doing so great. And it's even better because now I'm here with you and all of your listeners. And I'm so excited to share my story and what safety means to me. Heck yes. I'm, I'm so excited that we did all when doing my research on you, looking at the articles and, you know, you're featured in, and I'm just so excited because you have over 15 years experience in this environmental health and safety realm. And I just want to get into your story. I think that it is clear that you are extremely passionate about safety, about people. I should say about people. And it's really cool. I saw this article. I wonder if I could pull it up, but um, it was an article that you were featured in. And oh yeah, here it is right here. And it was just commenting that you and your team are just up to big things over at Caterpillar. And I just, I want to get into your story first, but (laughs) I mean, can you just tell us how in the world did you even get into safety? How did it, how did this all happen? Take us from the beginning. (laughs) You bet. Like I I wasn't a little kid dreaming that one day I will work (laughs) in the safety profession. I get that. Never was on my radar. Yeah, at all. Um, But it it goes way back to, I mean, my first job, I was 14 years old and I got a job detasseling corn, seed corn. Do you you know what that is? No, but I read in your bio that you grew up on a farm. (laughs) So, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's walking up and down the rows of seed corn in these huge fields, plucking out the tassels, which is, you know, after pollination, you pull this part out because... When they harvest it, they don't want all the the kernels to be pollinated. I don't know. It's hot, dirty, sweaty work. 14. (laughs) Yeah, 14 years old. Um, And then I got into other farm work, you know, working in the shop, driving tractors and and things of that nature. And we never talked about safety on the farm at all. I can't remember a single (laughs) safety conversation. And it's not because there's no safety risks on the farm. Of course, there are. there's a lot of inherent risk to working in agriculture, but it just, it wasn't in our mindset. And I worked with my dad, like, I mean, I know he cares about me, but we never (laughs) talked about safety. It was more about just getting the work done. And oh, by the way, don't get hurt, right? Yeah, yes, yep. And then I came to work at Caterpillar. I had several other jobs in the meantime, but I I came to work at Caterpillar in 2008 as an environmental compliance professional, you know, focusing on air, water, waste compliance, and I quickly realized that safety was it was more than just common sense. It was something that had to be proactively managed, but I still didn't get it because I perceived that the safety profession was about catching people doing things wrong. Yeah, it was all yes. about the rules. It was all yeah. about the regulations and getting people to follow along. And if you didn't, you were to get them in trouble. Like, so yeah. I had a really bad taste in my mouth 
right off the bat when I came to Caterpillar. We share that in common. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. But it was, it was just my perception. It, It wasn't that that was truly the case, but that was what I perceived the safety profession was all about. Yes. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I, I always tell people I had yeah, bad taste in my mouth when it came to the other other safety professionals that at the time, like you said, it was just a it was just in my mind. I just I felt like a lot of people had the safety cop mentality. And so it turned me off right away. But I was still at the same time really interested in safety. But yeah, so go on. So you're kind of like, what's this? What's this all right. about? And to be fair, that is one way to manage safety with the fist, right? Yeah. Uh, With the stick instead of the carrot. Um, So I I kind of that negative perception persisted for a while. uh, And I I had a variety of roles here at Caterpillar. I worked at our research, our engine research and development facility for a few years. I worked Mm -hmm. at our proving ground where we get the prototype machines before they go into full production so that we test all the features and we try to break things before they go into uh, pr- full production for our customers. So that was a really interesting place to work in terms of safety, okay. right? Cause we're, we're putting things through their paces. Our engineers are creating all kinds of tests to try to make things fail, which can put people in harm's way. So we have to design those tests with safety in mind. Um, and then I moved down to North Little Rock, Arkansas, where we build our motor graders. And okay. I went there uh, with the, the purpose of being their environmental manager because I'd had a taste of safety. I still wasn't sure that that's something I wanted to do. I go down to Little Rock, Arkansas, and they were struggling with safety, but that wasn't my primary reason for going there. And I'd been there for about six months and the general manager called me into his office one Monday morning and said, congratulations, you're now in charge of safety as well as environmental compliance. Surprise. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, maybe it was a promotion or maybe it was a demotion because I should have asked more questions. What I didn't understand was at the time that facility had the fourth worst injury record in all of Caterpillar manufacturing sites around the world. And it wasn't that the general manager didn't care. He absolutely cared about safety. It wasn't that the leadership underneath him didn't care about safety, but there were there were differing perspectives on what safety meant and what were those those expectations, expectations of the employees, right? Because the expectations, the perceptions about what's important to our leadership mm-hmm. drives the behaviors of our employees. So they were doing whatever it took to get tractors out the back of the, f- the facility, mm-hmm. even though our general manager was saying, we will not build a single tractor if it means somebody could get hurt today. Mm-hmm. So it had something to do with our culture. I certainly couldn't come in and fix that myself as a really yeah. well-intentioned safety manager. I needed help. And that's yeah. when I went out looking for somebody to help me figure out what was going on within our culture that wasn't working. Where were the, where was the breakdown in communication and expectations? What were we measuring yeah. when it came to safety? What were we recognizing as leaders, which yeah. reinforced those behaviors? And that's when I learned about Caterpillar Safety Services. So I was working at a Caterpillar facility the year before Caterpillar bought a consulting company, which became Caterpillar Safety Services. So I enlisted them to come in start with a, a an assessment of our culture through a survey and interviews, which painted a pretty clear picture of where we had strengths, but also where we had opportunities for improvement. Mm-hmm. And that was just the start of a cultural transformation that was really led by uh, a coalition of imp- frontline employees, along with their supervisors and managers and my safety department, all working together to establish those expectations with clearly defined safety activities that everyone could get behind because they built it themselves 
instead mm-hmm. of trying to force something from the top down. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it completely transformed the culture. And we went from, as I said, the fourth worst to a zero recordable incident performing facility uh, for almost three full years, building hundreds of tractors a year. And it, I mean, I was a skeptic when we started this. I told oh, my absolutely. boss. I told my boss that zero injuries wasn't possible because people were involved and people made mistakes. But when you empower people with a process Mm -hmm. and you allow them to shape that culture, to tell their leaders how they want to be measured, how they want to be recognized, and you give them a way to do it, they, they will show you things that you didn't think was possible. And that's why I'm here today. Oh my gosh. I have a million questions running through my mind right now. Fire away. Fire away. This is so, this is this is incredible. Okay, so the first the first takeaway that I have is how Caterpillar values safety because mm-hmm. as you know, a lot of companies can say, "Hey, safety first, safety first. But what Caterpillar did here is they not only made the investment in you in a safety team, but then they then they bought up this consulting company. You're having them come out and do a culture assessment. I think yep. that, you know, even back then, that was probably something a little bit new. I, I feel like it's almost it. I feel like these last, I don't know, five years, it's become more common to see these culture assessments. But when the year that you're explaining, I feel like that would that was almost a little bit unheard of. But I mean, you guys have always, it seemed like, really embraced and really, really put your resources to work for you to do something about this poor safety score at the time. And then you hammered away at improvement, improvement, improvement. So that is just incredible to hear what Caterpillar is up to. The second thing that comes to mind is how if we have listeners today, and I think it's really interesting what you said, if we have listeners today that are in the same scenario that you were in where incidents are occurring, the safety score isn't where it needs to be, but leadership has good intentions. They have, they, they want to do the right thing, but there's a gap. Yeah. And I think we see that a lot. After your assessment, after the consulting company came in, what would you say are maybe two or three takeaways that uh, listeners can take in to maybe take some steps um, if they want to improve their safety culture, take their company to the next level? And I hear you going a lot by um, going a lot to uh, what are you measuring? How are employees being measured and recognized? So that have a lot to do with. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll answer the first question first. And uh, while it was really important at our, our facility there in Little Rock, it was also important to Caterpillar as an enterprise. Uh, and that's that's where safety services came from, because Caterpillar as a whole had had vast improvements in our safety results around the yeah. world. But then we had plateaued and sure, we plateaued at a at a recordable injury frequency of about one okay. for about five years time. And it was at that point that we had to take a look in the mirror and say, what is it that we're not doing? Like we're doing all the basic stuff. We've harvested all yeah. the low hanging fruit. We have all the safety programs, policies, procedures in place. Yeah. What are we missing? And it was that, that focus on culture and on leadership's involvement, safety okay. leadership development that was missing. And we didn't know how to solve that our, ourselves as safety professionals. Yeah. We needed something bigger. How do we operationalize safety by getting leaders yeah. to understand that it's really their job? We support yeah. them. But if the leaders aren't the ones that are visibly committed to the process, 
that aren't measuring, managing uh, things proactively, then it's going to be hard to get any better. And that's why Caterpillar bought that consulting company. But I should also mention that the work that my team does uh, within Caterpillar's four walls is less than 10%. 90% of the work that we do around the world is with external companies in sure. 15 different industries from, from those that you might think, well, it, it, yeah, Caterpillar would work in those industries like construction and quarry and aggregates and mining and utilities and energy. But we also work a lot with other manufacturing companies. And we and we work with companies you might not even think about. Like we work in pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry because wow. the things that we do are really human things. As you said, it's all about people and it's about processes and communication and expectations. So those things work in whatever industry that you want to apply them to. Mm. So the second question was about what do we what do we do next? Right. If we if yeah. we do some sort of cultural assessment, what do we do next? Yes. And what I tell our prospective clients is if you're thinking about doing some sort of cultural assessment, don't even embark on that. If your leaders are unwilling to change the way that they lead, if you're wow. unwilling to change your cultural norms that are reinforcing the attitudes, beliefs and ideas of your people. And what's important to do after you get that data is to focus on the things that are important to your people on the front line. It's okay. those hourly okay. workers. It's yeah. the frontline supervisors because they're the ones closest to the risk where bad things are likely to occur. So if mm -hmm. you can enlist their help in creating the safety activities at the front line, they will adopt it because it was their idea. Yes. You also have to bring the leaders, the, those mid-level management levels along because in most uh, in most cultures, that's where the breakdown occurs. We have great okay. expectations for safety at the top, the executive levels. We place that day-to-day -day safety leadership on the shoulders of a supervisor and expect them to drive all the results. But it's the mid-level management ranks that are setting the expectations for the supervisors. So what are the supervisors okay. measured by? Is it all about production and quality and schedule and safety? Maybe we just measure lagging indicators, which are unintended yeah. consequences. Or are we measuring proactive leading indicator activities that the supervisors can actually control? Mm -hmm. We have to connect every level of the organization to truly operationalize safety. So that's what I would say. Focus on the things that your people care about. Make database decisions. Bring everybody along to create those solutions and you'll see a lot of success. I think that those are huge. Those are three great takeaways that people, that listeners can, you know, adopt now. It's something that you don't. Yes, of course, these things do not happen overnight and it takes time. But those are three tangible things to work on and work towards. So that provides a ton of clarity. And I love how you keep connecting every level of the organization when it comes to a cultural change. And even though that is such common sense, I think I see a lot of a lot of clients that we work with try to bypass maybe or, or maybe undervalue what the front line brings to the table. And I keep hearing you say over and over that that's where it begins. Yes, of course, leadership needs to be. I mean, you said first and foremost, a prospective client is leadership willing to it to change, willing to be right. open minded. But then going to the front line and asking for their feedback, what does that look like for you when you've interviewed the frontline team members of an organization and you've asked them, you know, what do they value? What is important to them? What kind of feedback do you get? I mean, are they just so grateful to be acknowledged and heard? You know, is it as simple as that? Or 
just kind of talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, people are generally really excited and willing to talk about the work that they do. Oh, yeah. uh, and when it comes to uh, doing some sort of assessment, doing interviews, more than likely they will speak up and they will tell us the truth, especially if they truly believe that their voice will be uh, valued, that leadership is going to take what they've learned, what they've heard and actually do something with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we get a lot of great insights from those on the front line. Again, they know better than anybody else what works and doesn't work within the whole organization. And a lot of times we as safety professionals, I can say this because I used to be one. It's well, I guess I still am one. Um, <laughs> we know, I mean, we, we get trained, we get certification. So we know how to design great safety programs and policies and build safety management systems, but you can have the best designed SMS and not be effective at it at all because yeah, it has yeah. to be understood and applied and valued at every level within the organization, or it's not going to make a lasting impact. Absolutely. So you really need the input from the front line. What's working, what's not working. And that's, that's another service we provide is okay. we, we meet with a, a company. We have them share with us. What are all the expectations? What are mm -hmm. your safety activities? What's your, what is your employee handbook look like for safety? And then we go out there and we talk to the people on the front line about how effective it is. What does your near miss investigation process involve? We'll ask people at the front line if they have no idea. What near miss program? Exactly. What? what? I heard something one time during near hire orientation. I really haven't heard much of it since. How often does that happen where there's a complete disconnect or? Well, more often than we, we would like to uh, admit at, in the safety yeah. profession. And yeah. it's, it's not that. It's not that anyone is uh, does have has poor intentions. Yeah, yeah. It's that we're all really busy, mm -hmm. and our sphere of influence is limited, mm -hmm. which is why it's so critical to get leaders to drive these safety activities. I mean, they really have mm -hmm. to do it. Otherwise, you have to have a safety professional attached at the hip of every frontline employee and leader, and that's just not practical. But if it's your leaders that. are driving mm -hmm. it, if your leaders are measured by how well they're performing things like near miss investigations because yes. their leader is the one that is noticing uh, and, and providing feedback on how well mm -hmm. they're doing it. Like if a manager is asking their supervisor questions about the involvement of the employees in the near miss investigation, that supervisor is more likely to do a quality job at it because they know yeah. that their boss is paying attention and they're going to get feedback about it. Yes. Yes. Tell me what your philosophy is about this. So I've always believed, I mean, not always actually in the beginning, I did not believe this. I always believed Safety culture, there's a safety culture, there's a safety culture. But just more recently, you know, after interviewing and talking with safety professionals around the world, I have come to the conclusion that I don't believe that there is a safety culture within an organization. I, I believe mm. that there just is an, a culture. I believe yeah. companies just have a culture and that culture either values safety or they don't or there's a, a certain level of risk that's tolerated. You know, that's not to say For that sure. it's one or the other, but you know, what are your thoughts about yeah. that? I could be, and I ask you that because it's interesting hearing you talk about ownership 
when it comes to safety related tasks that you would maybe think that's the safety professional's job, that's the safety team's job. But I I keep hearing you go back to the manager, the supervisor, when they take a program and also run with it. And those are safety related things like enforcing a near miss program, things like that, that that's when you can go to the next level. So do you believe that companies just have a culture? Well, wherever there are people, there is culture. Culture is but the simplest definition is the way we do things. Right. So our beliefs are that you can either have an intentional safety culture Mm. or an unintentional safety culture. And there's there's a distinction. So I'll walk you through like how we see culture impacting safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, We believe that most incidents, 90% plus of incidents are caused directly by at-risk behaviors. It's not about the hazardous conditions. We all have hazards, but we can manage, mitigate those hazards, which is what most focus or safety compliance is focused on. But it's more about the behaviors. Those behaviors are the result of our individually held attitudes, beliefs, and ideas. It's the way that we grew up. I, I grew up working on the farm where we didn't have any safety policies and procedures. We didn't even talk about it, right? So there's individual components, but there's also the, the group components. It's what we call norms. It's the mm-hmm. things that we as leaders pay attention to or we ignore. Mm-hmm. It's the, the things we notice and recognize or we just breeze over. And it's what the leaders do at the top of the organization that will reinforce those attitudes, beliefs, and ideas. So that's a reflection of an unintentional safety culture is that we just react to things after they happen. And then we either coach, correct, discipline, terminate the employee that was involved because of their behavior. If we don't Mm -hmm. take a deeper look at what are the norms, Mm -hmm. what have we communicated? What are those expectations? How are we measuring safety on a personal level, on a group level? So if we just react after the fact and just keep putting out fires, That's an unintentional safety culture. We just let things happen. But in an intentional safety culture, we have leaders that are fully invested in improving safety. And we do that by establishing and reinforcing positive, proactive safety norms. And that's the activities I'm talking about. It's what is the role of a leader in onboarding new employees? Uh, How do we have... um, how do we do JHAs or even startup meetings at the the beginning of the shift? What is the involvement of a leader, whether that's a frontline supervisor, a manager, a president of a a business unit, they can be involved in something as simple as a startup meeting. The Mm -hmm. role would be different. The expectations would be different, but everyone has a a role to play in reinforcing that. Mm -hmm. And that will shape positive attitudes, beliefs, and ideas about safety. Cause now as I, as an employee know what's expected, I know how I'm going to be measured. I know how I'm going to be recognized when I do it right. And that will lead to to more positive results and fewer injuries. And that was my experience as well, both when I was at that factory in Little Rock and then as a consultant taking other companies through that same transformative process. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I think that I think that embracing this proactive approach, I really hear you saying that a lot. And that's really resonating because how often is it and I, you know i understand how companies get into this place how often is it that we are reacting to fires and we are just tackling the next thing that comes our way like you said people are busy and it becomes this the safety culture as you're referring it to becomes unintentional and i think that that's that's a crystal clear picture what you just that story that you just uh, spoke about and so what are some examples 
of this, because this is getting me excited is the proactive approach when it comes to you know transforming the company's overall culture what are some tips and advice that you give your um, your clients when transforming to more of a proactive yeah. culture versus this reactive or unintentional um, behavior yeah what I see is that a lot of companies, they make the assumption that if you just focus at the front line, it will change everything. If we can just shape the behaviors of our employees, if we can just provide them with enough training, yeah, if we yeah. just get those frontline supervisors to behave differently and yeah. lead the charge for safety, it's going to change everything. That's, yeah. That is a natural assumption, and it makes sense to me because that's where the risk is. But what mm -hmm. we find time and again is that those attempts to improve culture are going to be limited in impact. And the reason mm -hmm. is because those above them in the org chart have to change first. Yeah, We have to get our top leaders to think, behave, measure, recognize differently. If mm -hmm. anyone below them in the org chart is going to believe that this is real. Like we say at the top that safety is number one. We say it's a value. We say it's a priority, which I have a little heartburn about because priorities change, right? But yeah. no one else will believe it unless it's what they hear about the most from their boss, unless it's what they yeah. get measured by, right? Yes. So you got to start at the top. And it's really difficult for a safety professional or a safety department manager to change those perceptions of their leaders. The saying mm -hmm. is it's hard to be a prophet in your own land, right? Yeah. Sometimes you need to bring somebody from outside, even if they're saying similar things, to get them to believe that it's real. And you gotta have right. a way to shape that behavior as well. A proven process, a mm -hmm. training regimen, uh, something to show them that uh, other people have had success this way mm -hmm. uh, to get them to believe it. I completely agree with you. I think having a roadmap a proven process, something that can show an organization here how we here's how we can go from point A to point B. Here's all the craziness in between, but this is what it looks like. Um, so that way everyone can have a clear vision of what that journey is. I think that that right. makes complete sense. And then I just looked at the time and I, I realized I've completely talked your ear off for so <laughs> long about all this. And here's how I want to end this. I want to ask you, what are you really passionate about right now? Uh, what excites you? What, you know, what's that thing that gets you up that you're, you know, minds racing about all day? What are you really passionate about when it comes to all this safety? Yeah. That's a great question. And I'll start by saying that I'm hearing some common themes uh, as I travel around and I, I get to do lots of speaking events all over the country and internationally uh, to different industries. And there's common themes across industry. And that's that our leaders, our HR professionals, our executives are struggling with employee retention. Yes. Yes. They're struggling with finding enough workers to do the work. And a mm -hmm. lot of them have unprecedented levels of work mm -hmm. and not enough people to do it. So we're working mm -hmm. overtime. Mm -hmm. We are working through the weekend with mm -hmm. fewer people than we need and with people that are inexperienced, which presents <gasps> huge safety risk. Turnover yes. presents huge safety risks, right? Yes. yes so yes. that's part of it. Um. And that that's causing a lot of safety apprehensions. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'm, I'm really excited about 
is a new area of focus that I'm hearing about everywhere, and that's psychological safety. And that term is, is all about people feeling free to take interpersonal risks within a team or an organization. That might mean I, I feel free to speak up when I see something unsafe. Mm-hmm. It also might mean that, hey, I'm a frontline employee. I've got an idea for how to improve this safety exercise or safety activity. Do I feel yeah. free to speak up to the safety department about it and have yeah. that idea truly considered, uh, seen and heard and feel included? Uh, mm-hmm. But it goes beyond that. It's, it's also about innovation and people just feeling like they belong within a team, within a company. And so we're starting to, to lean into that and see how we can yeah. better serve our clients around that new arena, which is bigger than safety. Um, but there's a lot yeah. of really great things happening. We have never been busier in our consulting practice. I can uh, imagine yeah. so, yes. I think yeah. that the psychological piece when it comes to safety and and human behaviors, right? And how, I like how you said, the sense of belonging is really driving team members um, when it comes to retention. And how do we, how can we help companies feel, create create something special that people want to be a part of? They have that sense of belonging. Everyone has that sense of Hey, who do I, you know, where do I belong? Where's my team at? Like, where are my people at? Right. And I think since we all have that want and need, that's a desire for all of us. That is something that companies should have um, in the forefront of their mind right now is how can I create something special here at this company that'll get people excited to come work here? And how can we, you know, I, yeah, I think that there's huge opportunity there. That's yeah. really, really exciting. I love that you, how it's very clear throughout this whole conversation that Caterpillar, that you're, you and your team, you are extremely innovative when it comes to the future of human behavior, human needs, and um, it goes beyond safety. And that's very clear and that's exciting. So, wow. Is there anything else on your plate? So, I mean, there, there was a lot there, but you know, did, I, did we miss anything? Uh, that's that's probably the biggest thing, uh, the biggest area of focus. And then safety leadership development is absolutely yeah. essential. And we've seen a huge need and desire for that coming out of the pandemic. Uh, it just yes. it seems like the floodgates have opened and companies are looking for help in that arena. Because, again, yes. leadership is what influences the entire culture. It's, it's what mm-hmm. employees perceive uh, based on what they see and hear from their leader. And so we are working full-time, overtime, uh, helping companies establish, assess and establish their safety leadership abilities. Okay. Well, gosh, I think that you guys are, it's very clear that Caterpillar, you guys are up to huge things and exciting things. The safety team that you um, have created there is, I mean, it sounds incredible. And I, what we'll do with this podcast, everyone, is we're going to link Justin's contact information. If you have any questions, if you feel like you're ready to take your culture to the next level and you want to maybe start with an assessment or you're just curious about what it all is that Caterpillar's safety um, division provides, we'll provide that contact information and feel free to reach out to Justin. Sorry, Justin, I just told them they could go straight to you and contact Perfect. you if they if they are in need of your services because it sounds incredible. 
Um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom today. I, I personally learned so much from you, and I think that you've provided uh, a lot of tangible action items that the listeners can take away with. So thank you so much. I hope that we can talk again. I know that we'll stay connected, but I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Apollonia. Thanks thanks to all your listeners. And the, the best way to get a hold of us is www.cat.com slash safety. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 